Hey, Game Masters. Are you sick of cliche stories that leave your players falling asleep? Do you suffer from low engagement at your gaming table? Do you struggle with creating interesting plots and engaging NPCs? Do your players laugh at your tiny dice rolls? Well, we can't help you with that one. But we can help you level up your gaming. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. We discuss the topics that matter the most when you're being a GM. Be that better map design, telling gripping mysteries, or just not killing off your players in an adversarial way. I mean, yeah. Join us at Level Up Your Gaming, a tabletop RPG podcast, every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Geekscant, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach, and today I am joined by my co-host, uh, Shadow Zach. Zach Allen, how you doing? How's it going? Good. Fantastic. Uh, we are going to be doing a little creator interview today, and we have Tommy Sunsenauer with us in the studio. How are you doing, Tommy? Uh, not very good. I have been sick the last few days, so... Not much work has been done, but I'm, I'm getting better now. Oh, so hopefully I will yep. be back tomorrow. That's good. Uh, we chatted. So maybe, maybe it shows a little bit and maybe you can hear it on my voice, but, uh, but we should be fine. Yeah, no, you sound great. Um, sorry to hear you're not feeling super great, but uh, I'm glad that uh, we, we initially scheduled this chat for last week and then um, didn't work out for a, a few little reasons. So I'm excited that uh, you are your game to d- dive in today. Um, fantastic. So I think Tommy, did you and I chat like a year ago or so about? Yeah, I think it was in the the beginning of this year. Yeah, right about when uh, when we launched uh, the Goblin Console projects. Mm-hmm. And I was actually I was ill at as well back then. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's really good timing. Yeah, we're 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 gonna set a precedent here for sure. Um, yeah, so you talked about Goblin Gonzo. Uh, so if people, uh, if if you haven't gone back and listened to that episode, it was really great. We were talking about uh, that that project when it came out, and then you had Slump before that, um, which are kind of Morkborg productions. Yeah. Um, though, I think Slump is 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 really a, a an, an adventure book of of sorts and goblin gonzo is more of a standalone uh uh like kind of like a hack of morkborg in the sense that it it, it works on its own is that is that accurate yeah that's so, correct uh, yeah 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 goblin gonzo is um it's not taking place in the Morkball world it's more of its its own little thing where everybody plays as goblins mm-hmm. so that's a uh, kind of a, a different thing and a bit more a bit more silly and and fun i think yeah yeah not as dark as as the milk bowl sitting mm-hmm. absolutely yeah um so i have both of those books sitting on my shelf so you're coming high coming in highly recommended highly i'm highly excited about this project we're here ostensibly because you have another kickstarter live right now uh, still with a couple weeks to go called obscure which yeah. is a found footage horror rpg uh, correct 
So I'm kind of fascinated as we just dive right in here. Let's let's just dive right in. I guess there is definitely a through line with your projects in that you start with Morkborg, which is this apocalyptic horror. And then now we're seeing uh, as you maneuver through that system and now into um, your own in, in a lot of ways, um, the horror remains. Is that a key? The horror will always remain, I think. <laughs> I'm very much into all kinds of horror stuff, so... So that, I think that's inevitable for my projects. That's cool. Like to hear. What, what, and as you said, Merkball was there. The third party license that Merkball has was like the thing that it was the thing that got me started on, on creating my own stuff. Yeah. And uh, so now we we made two projects in the Merkball license. So now I thought it was time to try and make my own thing. Mm -hmm. And that's where Obscure came to be. Talk to me a little bit. I know you talked a little bit about it in our initial interview, but talk to me a little bit about why horror. Like, what is it about the horror genre and in general, and then also in RPGs that you find you is really attractive to you? I think I just like being scared. I think I think the, um, I, I don't know what it is. I have always been very attracted to horror. In all its forms, um, all of my favorite movies are horror movies, and you know, I, 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 it's hard to explain, but uh, that's just something about it that 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 speaks to me. And it's it's really fun to um, to sit down and, and and write stuff and draw stuff that's just really fucked up. <laughs> I would say the more extreme the better. <laughs> Tommy, maybe you'll agree with this. I would say that whether you're talking about tabletop games or movies or a novel or short stories or whatever kind of medium it is, that uh, when you're dealing with different genres, uh, there are certain things that you can do to tug on people's heartstrings and get certain reactions if you're talking about drama or things like that. But to the two hardest reactions to get out of people are to make them laugh and to scare them because exactly. no two things are, you know, will make the will affect the same person, you know, the same way. So I think there's something really rewarding when you can write something or create something that you and see it genuinely creep someone out. Because <laughs> that's yeah. a tough thing to do. It's also a genuine reaction, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. it's not up here in the brain. It's it's in the gutter. It's in the heart, right? In the sure. yeah, exactly. It's it's very it's a very primitive emotion, right? It's mm -hmm. uh, it's a very strong emotion, fear. So, right. And with other mediums like film or or, or books or whatever, you definitely can get one hundred percent. Like there's fantastic stuff over there. The cool thing about RPGs, right, is that it is a more one to one with placing the audience member, in this case the player, in the midst of the horrific thing, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And asking them to not just observe it, but to be a part of it, which I exactly. think is really cool. Yeah. The the level of immersion is just a whole other thing in 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 when you're playing RPGs than it is than when you're just watching a movie or at least for me. So mm -hmm. and, and that's that's also one of the things that um that I try to focus a lot on 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 this obscure project is to to immerse yourself in it, to engage the both the, the game master and the players and you know, so everybody is, is like uh, parting in to tell this story and to taking part in, in making the story very scary. 
Yeah. One of the things that I like about your game and the way that you set it up and having this narrative first uh, way of telling the story and using just the D6 dice pools and keeping it really simple is that, you know, with, with tabletop games evolving out of war games and becoming what they are, it's, it, it has been traditionally really hard, at least in my experience, to mold horror to fit a what is largely a fantasy genre. And I feel like this game that you've made is kind of taking that step outside of the box and going from tabletop games into what you could consider like horror tabletop role playing. That is its own thing separate from, you know, D&D or any kind of war gaming past that you might be able to place on tabletop games as a, in general. Exactly. I, I wanted to to make the the mechanics and the rules in this game very simple. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it has to be effective and there has to be some dice rolling, but it has to be simple enough so it do- doesn't get in the way of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, in my opinion, there's nothing worse than if you are trying to tell a good story, then you have to roll a whole bunch of dice and you have to calculate a lot of things and check up in the rule book and all that stuff. So I wanted to get away from that. It breaks the tension. Exactly. That said, uh, and, and I agree with that, I think that said, though, I, I've noticed in other pieces of the campaign and the game, you recognize that sometimes mechanics and the game part of it um, can provide great solutions to storytelling. As an example here, um, you you talk about how death is not the end. Mm-hmm. Um and which is a big, which is a big hurdle for horror RPGs, right? When you, whether you're playing the Alien RPG or Merkborg or whatever you're playing, a big question that comes up at almost every table because someone inadvertently dies way sooner than the end of the story allows, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, uh, in fact, Zach, you and I experienced that last night with yeah. a character dying before the end of the campaign, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And what happens in that space, right? And in horror, that's going to happen more regularly than in other genres, typically. And what I love is that you you recognize that, okay, we're going to have multiple people sitting around it. This isn't a movie or whatever where it's okay if a character dies. And that's the end of that character 20 minutes in or whatever, an hour in. Mm-hmm. Um, here, we're recognizing that we're doing this as a group. And so we want to continue doing this as a group while still allowing for character death to be something that happens readily. And so... The idea of like, hey, once you die, you flip your character sheet and there's guidance and directives and rules in, in, in a big way for how you as a player can continue on and engage with and be a meaningful part of the story in an ongoing capacity, which I think is very, very good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was uh, yeah that was that was the, the goal of, of that mechanic that you don't have to, you know, like pausing the game and rolling up a new character and and then finding out some weird story about how this character suddenly ended up with the other people who is in here. So, so now when yeah when you die, you just flip, flip the character sheet and and then you uh, you roll a die and uh, it decides if you are going to be a, a helpful spirit or an evil spirit. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, these different things that you you are allowed to do during the rest of the session. So you can really mess with the other players and of course try to try to get into it and. At some point, when you find when you find it would be appropriate, you just kind of interrupt and say, "But suddenly," and then you tell this thing that's going to happen with the the ghost of your dead player, uh, the dead character, not the dead player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <We're both>. um, 
I I love that. how deep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the other things that I'm curious about, um, I, I I'm always excited about a new horror RPG coming down this onto the scene. Zach and I have had a lot of discussions about, you know, uh, whether that's Alien or or Morkborg or even like um uh the t- old gods one that's a little bit different in that way or whatnot. Um, we've had a lot. What, something that I find interesting about Obscure is that it is aligning itself uh, enthusiastically with found footage mm-hmm. as, a, as an idea. And found footage is, to me, at least when I initially looked thought about it, found footage is such a visual concept, right? Almost by its definition. It's, it's a... And the reason that it works so well in film, a lot of times, is because it make it allows the audience to be an observer, but they still have that option of opportunity of investing themselves a little bit further because it's made to feel like it is something that they're discovering. And exactly, it's more of a first person look. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. It's a first person look, but it's definitely a look. It's a it's a window into a situation. Whereas it's it's recognizing that you are not in the moment, that you are reserved, um, but the horror still comes from what's happening on here and the idea that maybe this actually happened, as in with Blair Witch or something like that, right? So how yeah. do you, and I, I know that you talk about this a little bit on the campaign page, but how do you incorporate the idea of found footage into an RPG? It's um, it it very much relies on on the on the whole setting. Um, the the places uh, these different scenarios uh, take place, and and also the the equipment that you are using. You the um, the game takes place uh, in the nineties, so you roll up your your starting equipment, and it can be stuff like a Walkman or a digital camera, a camcorder, a Polaroid camera. There's a lot of cameras and uh, dictaphones and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, and you. You very much in this game rely on these things, on the on the light source from these things, mm-hmm. whether it being a night vision camera or a flashlight, and then you keep track of your batteries as well. So you you have to uh, to to make sure you use the batteries at the at the right time. So you you a lot of times you you rely on this camera on this footage that you're filming because otherwise you wouldn't be able to see anything. All the scenarios takes place, or most of them, in in very dark places. You know, hospital basements or in the middle of the of the woods and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, so the 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 nineties technology is is a big part of it. Um, and then there's the the whole theme. You know, there's a lot of. Uh, it's heavily inspired by a lot of my favorite found footage movies, especially the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. So there will be a. There will be a lot of settings that you will recognize from a lot of these movies, and there will be a lot of uh, references and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. it's interesting. Zach and I just finished a for October a horror movie marathon, um, and uh, several of the movies that Zach recommended that I made my way through was the VHS series. Uh, yeah. And seeing that reference, I, you know, I, I'm excited because I think what you mentioned as your kind of uh, your reference points are the same things that. I think most people will see as a reference point, which I think is always great for an RPG when you can say, hey, if you like these things or if this is your jam or if you're familiar, this is going to be a great touch point for you to easily insert yourself into this because you are asking the audience to take a different role here, right? We're not being the passive observer that's watching the found footage. 
we are yeah, you're the one that records it <laughs> exactly and but, so but there's also there's also this other element that's in the um, a big part of these uh, these scenarios that that is in the the main book the core book um they also if you want to to find out what went on in this place and how the haunting began or or what is what it is that's happening um, you have to collect these pieces of found footage um and then there's a that if you find an old videotape there will be just a brief description which like almost like prompts in it mm-hmm. and then i um, then it's you can you can give it to the player and the player uh, can then tell their version of what do they see on these tapes from the given prompts and so that once again makes the makes the players um, engage in the story in a different mm-hmm. way interesting oh man I, I like i mean you know zach and i are jacked like like anytime i can get a new experience out of an rpg that's what i want and mm-hmm. i am not a big uh, the reality is i don't play a lot of video games but i have always been fascinated with the idea um in, in some of these horror games that are you being the person with the camera going into the place and yeah, being, the, being like the, Outlast. Exactly, like Outlast. Yeah, that's been yeah. a fascinating idea, concept. And to me, knowing that I will probably never uh, choose to have the opportunity to be in the video game side of this, I am enthusiastic about you finding a way of porting over that experience into an RPG, which I am myself am much more likely to engage with. Um, I also think that like, I'm all, the, the other thing that excites me about a project like this, and I'm kind of maybe, maybe talking less to you two and maybe to the listening audience at this point. But one of the things that I like about this sort of a project is horror. I find is fantastic as a get in, get out RPG. Mm-hmm. You can de- not to say that there isn't long campaigns and we haven't all done long campaigns for it, but near and dear to my heart is the RPG that can feel like an entire experience in a one shot or three sessions or five sessions. And actually you walk away from it being like, I got that experience. I got a new experience there. And to me, this is offering a new experience in RPG form. um, That isn't also asking for like some other games, a half a year of your time to get that experience. Yeah, sure. This uh, obscure is actually specifically made for one-shot games. Yeah. I want to, you know, I I since I launched the campaign, I have actually written rules for uh, some additional and optional rules for campaign plays, like inventory slots and stuff like that. But the main game is made for one-shots because I want it to be like, as I also wrote in the Kickstarter text, like telling a ghost story around the campfire or putting on a, a horror movie and watching it from start to end and then walk away from it again. Exactly. In the game, in the campaign, you talk about, I'm referencing it here on my phone um, for, for people who are, are following along, but uh, some of the bullets you talk about, four scenarios are included in the book and pre-made characters. There you also mentioned character creation. So do you think if if you were gonna if you were gonna put this book in the hands of a new uh, of of an RPG enthusiast, but someone who has never played it before, is your ideal scenario that they would play this with the adventures provided with pregens and kind of a package thing, and then kind of walk from that into exploring their own stories, um, or is or do you see the book as really 
start with creating your own and telling your own things and and that kind of that DIY mentality from the get-go because there's in the last few years we definitely see RPGs that are designed to be here's an experience that I have created from the ground up for you versus here's a toolkit go do it on your own is the ideal yeah it 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 um my my hope is that it's going to be more of a toolkit i want people to create their own stuff for it as well um you know i i i made these um these scenarios to to show people my vision of what the game could be but of course you can i, I made a whole section in the book that's actually like like gm tools or tools for for making your own scenarios and how you can make this various equipment haunted and how you can there's also tips for how you can scare your players and and i want to make it like an open license game so people can create their own stuff for it but i wanted to have some of my own scenarios in it for people to yeah so people can pick it up and play hmm Zach is. I've got a couple other things here that I, I want to make sure that we cover. But is any you have anything else uh, that you that is coming to mind right now? Uh, I do, but I haven't fully formed the question. So go ahead. Perfect. Perfect. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, and we're always careful in these types of interviews to not like focus too heavy on what's the Kickstarter because you can go check that out yourself uh, uh, for the next couple of weeks. But there's a couple of very interesting things that I wanted to bring up, and I'm just curious. Um, there may be a question of why in some ways um, and not because they're very cool and, and interesting. Um, one of them is the book itself. You made it. This is a weird nerdy question, but you made it a square. And yeah. anytime I see a book, that's like an oddly shaped thing. My first question is that's interesting. That's definitely different. Why, why did you choose that? Is there a specific reason or just you, 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 you were, you fell in love with the shape. Oh, you got me there. It's <laughs> I just I just wanted to make a, a a different format than than I'm used to. Usually, I'm always making these uh, A5. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to. I think this is going to be a very different game, and I wanted to show that in the whole layout and the design. Um, and I just like squares. Yeah. It just looks good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's it. that's my favorite answer. I, I don't I don't have any uh, like uh, better explanation for it than I just it's just a design choice. I like how it looks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't have I I have zero problems with it, and in fact, I'm I'm enthusiastic <laughs> about it. It's always cool though. I, I one of my favorite chats about this. Um, I was talking with Chris Birch of Modifius, and you know they have a whole bunch of amazing projects uh and products like uh fallout and dune and things and 90 percent of everything is the eight and a half by 11 kind of standard hardcover right and then yeah. everything in their 2d20 line is that except for john carter which is this weird like landscape build yeah <laughs> and i was like you know I was like hey why why did you choose to do the landscape build for john carter when everything else in the 2d20 line is you know the the standard format, and his answer was because we could, and we thought it looked cool. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly. that's that's such the perfect, pure, genuine answer. And and it, I, I think I that there are, um, you know, I I started out by making uh, some of the graphics for the book, um, and it is it it is like a screenshots from from uh, surveillance cameras and Polaroid photos and stuff. So so they were going to be square. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how I started laying the book out as a as the square format. Um, also, like, because because it's a very different format, it's not a lot of books that has this total square. Um, mm -hmm. And then I I have some kind of hope when people are if people are going to make some supplements for it or making their own scenarios that they will use the same format. So you know you have like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have that's, the third that's, party. That's the you have the third party license, and part of the license agreement is that you must make your book. Your you must make it in the square. You must make it exactly. in the square. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, the other piece to this, and I, I'm sure it has similar answer, but but um, I'm not typically a person who like goes in for dice. Typically, um, I'm not a dice goblin, right? Um, but I was looking at the dice that you're offering on this page, and first off, I will say they have everything that I want in a dice if I'm going to pick them up, which is they they have high contrast, which is kind of a nerd thing, I guess. But like I can read the numbers very easily, but the font's mm -hmm. cool and original. But you have these really two cool icons on them, um, which I believe correlate to energy and anxiety dice and kind of differentiating between the two. Exactly. But, you know, they, they are you can use totally normal D6. These are normal D6s. Yeah. They're just looking awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah. I have I have the uh, you know the the creepy face on the on the black die. Mm -hmm. um, that's the symbol I use in the book for for you know when I write the scenarios as a reminder for the for the game master. I put this little face next to some of the scenes as a reminder. This would be a good spot to give up, out some anxiety points. Yeah, um, and when you play the game, you you need you need two different or you you need to be able to difference the the two kinds of D6s that you have. So this is just an opportunity to buy, you know, two different kinds of D6 that matches the theme of the game. Perfect. You can definitely use totally normal D6 dice. It's highly effective, though. You know, one of the things that I noticed, um, so I I hope you don't mind, Tommy, when I keep referencing other games, but I'm, I'm referencing them no, in a good way towards you. Um, <laughs> at least that's my feeling. So Zach and I have just played in the past so long um alien and then blade runner mm -hmm. yeah and um alien has a very similar d6 dice pool system in the sense that it has i stole a little bit from you. exactly yeah. which but, yeah, i mean you got me. the, the, the the thing about the alien system is in my estimation it's the greatest conversion of an ip to an rpg ever and a huge part of that is the stress die. And I would argue that yeah. even a bigger part of that, or, or along with that, is the fact that on the stress die, the one is replaced with a facehugger, right? <laughs> yeah. And the, 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 the thing that is different... So then we play Blade Runner. And in Blade Runner, we play it on the virtual tabletop. And it has a similar facet sometimes when you roll a one on certain die or whatever. Like something can happen, right? Um, it's not the same thing. But... What I noticed last night as we were playing Blade Runner is the players don't have that immediate visceral gut reaction to seeing a one no. up on the <laughs> dice. Even though it's bad, there's not a gut reaction of, oh, no, as much as when the face hugger icon comes up on mm -hmm. a D6. I think the same thing is going to be true with these dice. And that's why, like, to me, exactly. I'm drawn to this type of die is that it's not just, oh, this icon is cool. It is cool. But it also is meant to be a shortcut to that emotive response get you away from a number when it matters yeah, exactly it's it's uh, when you when you um, when you get a one on the anxiety diet something very bad will happen so it's it's a kind of an important mechanic in the game 
So it was also important when you when you roll these black die that you can clearly see this creepy face smiling at you. Then you know you are doomed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I. That's. I mean, listen. That's the. Re that's exactly what I wanted. And I'm so. I'm so jacked about these dice, and I never. I don't know that I have ever said that. If I have, it's been once before. But like, it to me, it's exactly. It's it's. It shows me that somebody took the time to think about what would actually enhance this experience, mm -hmm. and found add-ons that will actually do that. So I'm. I'm. I I, I really tried to to minimize the add-ons for this project. Mm -hmm. In in Goblin Gun, so we went all in, and we had dice and posters and a cassette tape and all kinds of shit. <laughs> this time I wanted to keep it simple, you know, mm -hmm. but I, I couldn't help myself with the dice. Well, they're super cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Zach, did I give you enough time to conjure? If not, no big deal. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually, so I guess the question it, that I have is from a creative standpoint, you know, analog found footage and especially analog horror, uh, a lot of times can just be about you the viewer interacting with a piece of media and and beyond that you might have one to two figures that you're following how did you how did you tackle the problem of putting a larger party like that together uh and trying to keep that that feeling of isolation and being so alone that really i feel is part of you know analog and found footage horror yeah yeah um one of the things that that i have found works very well is to i put these these things in the book as well like uh, like tools and suggestions for how to run the game in in the way that's not that it's meant to but how i imagine you run the game mm -hmm. is it is to like separate your players and um on purpose, I, I make a lot of uh, in the scenarios that I that I'm writing. I make a lot of scenes where it po where it's possible for the for the GM to separate the players, mm -hmm. and also because um, because you are um, because the the light from your devices is so important. Uh, not everyone will have a flashlight. Maybe only one guy in the party of uh, of four or five people will have a flashlight or a camcorder. So mm -hmm. the rest will just follow behind this this person and this person will have to tell them the others what they see and uh -huh. the others maybe hear something in the behind them or they feel another presence or something, but they can't see anything. So, so I'm trying to, the, the separation of the players and, and the, the necessity of, of these, uh, these devices. That's fascinating though, because if, if you're a party of, you know, even five players and they're all still grouped together in a room though. And only say one guy had a flashlight, but his batteries are dead now. And you're just relying on the guy with the camcorder and what he can see through it. And it's pitch black. And he has to describe what he's seeing to the other players. That's really cool. I love that. So, uh, I think, at this point, I I, I let I, I like letting these interviews kind of build to a crescendo of like Zach or whoever it is with me getting excited. And then I say, OK, how do we fulfill this excitement? So obviously there's a Kickstarter going on right now. I looked on the Kickstarter page. and It looks like you're going to be people are going to be able to play this game in February. Am I right in that? Uh, if, if you yeah, miss this Kickstarter or if even if you back it like February is kind of the the release date. 
that will be at least for the digital version it will be out before february that is my goal and you know i'm I'm working on, on this project full time now so yeah. so things are going very fast and and the fundings are good that means that i can i can afford hiring a good uh, editor so i don't have to spend all my time and energy on writing in the in the correct grammar because obviously english is not my first language sure <laughs> so, so that makes the process a bit easier for me as well and then yeah um well listen i'm gonna make a commitment right now and again i i, I don't rarely i rarely rarely do this um but this is so up my alley and i think it's so up zach's alley that i'm going to commit to as soon as i can get my hands on this we're going to schedule a one shot and we're going to do a game of oh. this because um we're we're fully on board fully excited um awesome um and i cannot wait i cannot wait to get my hands on obscure so yeah. thank you for chatting with us tommy this has been really great yeah thank you guys and thanks for having me on again absolutely so listen folks um I mean, we could sit here and talk for a while. Um, the cool thing is that I've got another creator, uh, Gabrielle, that's going to come on and chat with us here later this afternoon. Oh. But um, but the but the reality is, I think anything more we say would it's just going to going to reinforce the statements that we've already made, which is that we feel like this is something unique. This is something new. This is something clever. It's got time put into it. It looks fantastic. Um, so all those reasons, we're going to highly recommend you go check this out um, and back this project. Like I said, we're recording this on the 14th of November. It has 16 days left to go, so it's going to the end of the month. Um, Tommy, is there any part of this Kickstarter that you want people to be aware of to kind of encourage them to go back it now? Mm, you know, I, um, I think they should just go check out the Kickstarter, scroll through it, look at the images, mm -hmm. read something if you want, and then back it. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, so I will say then I agree with that. I will say uh, because we do get questions on this. Uh, digital is going to be about eight bucks. Uh, the the digital plus the analog version, the physical version, is going to be twenty two bucks. Yeah. And if you want this sweet sweet die set, which is uh, 12, 12 dice um, and the book it's together, that's going to be thirty eight dollars. So uh, a steal at any level. Um, Absolutely. Go check it out. Again, Tommy, thanks for hanging out. Um, last question for you. If people listen to this afterwards, where is a good place for them to go check you out or look for your stuff? Um, yeah, I have my, my company uh, with my partner that's called Black Games. But this project, uh, Obscure, it's my own thing. So you will have to uh, follow me on some of the social media. So uh, I have a page called Obscure RPG on Facebook that will probably be the place to find me and to find the book. Perfect. Well, thanks a lot, Tommy, and good luck. Thank you.